Hello and welcome to the Hockey Hurts Podcast for July 1st of 2019. I'm Ryan Wilson, Penguins writer for HockeyBuzz.com. I'm Cameron Walsh for HockeyHeads.com. And it is July 1st, but it is not the free agency podcast. It is very early on July 1st. Um, We will be having a podcast um, about all that stuff, but we are meeting together to discuss the Phil Kessel trade. It finally happened. Pittsburgh, um, at least the management and coaching staff finally had their fill of Kessel. And (laughs) he's gone. And he got to go to, I believe, the place he wanted to go to. Because, like we had guessed, he organized his no-trade list with seven teams the Penguins didn't want to do business with and the one that he wanted to go to. So... Good job to Phil for um, using his CBA no-trade clause effectively. But, uh, yeah, he's gone. And the return was Alex Galchenyuk and Pierre Oliver Joseph, uh, defense prospect, former first-round pick. He is now the Penguins' top defense prospect, but that doesn't really say much. It's uh, a sad day for me. I love Phil Kessel. I love watching him play. And now that he plays for the Coyotes, I probably won't watch him play much anymore. And a lot of people have gone nuts over the trade and how it's the sort of the end of the window. Well, if you're looking at it like that, the Jack Johnson signing, the free agency before, that was the start of all of this. That's management just completely fucking themselves up the ass and, and just getting it completely completely wrong and Kessel's remarks on Instagram were notable for the fact that they did not mention management or the coaching staff in regards to his thanks for his time in Pittsburgh yeah well I um, I don't blame him Mike Sullivan doesn't seem like a people person as far as, like, if he's your coach. I'm not saying, like, personal life. But Correct. Uh, as, as, like, a boss, he doesn't, yeah. Um, they say Phil Kessel has an expiration date. And it'll be his fourth team in 13 years. Um, coaches have expiration dates, and they're a hell of a lot easier to replace, so... And the Penguins just hired the Charlotte Checkers guy who just <laughs> oh, won the Calder right. Cup. So, I don't know. I There are hockey reasons to trade Phil Kessel. I don't think I've ever not said that you can't trade Phil. But the way this went down, the way they shoehorned it to where they were like, well, we have to get rid of him because... He doesn't get along with the coach. And it's like, well, you could just change the coach and see what happens because it's not like they've been playing that great the last two years. But they didn't go that route. They were stuck dealing with pretty much just Arizona once Phil was like, yeah, that Paul Fenton guy looks fucking pretty crazy. Don't think I want to ride it out there. (laughs) He's not an idiot, Phil. Um, He's not an idiot. Oh, Minnesota? Yeah, sure, I played college there, but that was like 15 years ago. Yeah, Arizona. Not only, that, not only that, though, he, he wasn't born there. 
No, he's Wisconsin. Like people, yeah, they make out that like going back to Minnesota is like, you know, going to be a homecoming for him. He was there for how many years at college? Did he do the full four years? That I don't know, but point yeah. taken. It's just like, oh, yeah. I, Hockey. I, no, he did not do the four years just because if your number, if he was like a number five overall pick in the NHL draft, your draft years earlier, there's no chance oh. he played out yeah. the string. No, he went through. Yeah, just straight in, straight out. Anyway, getting sidetracked. So he's, you know, leaves Arizona as his option. So now you're dealing with just Arizona, who's a very weird team. And given the circumstances, like getting Alex Galchenyuk is okay, I guess. But really, what I would have wanted from a fill trade was either legitimate trade, probably getting closer to like a Jason Zucker. And yes, I know Phil said no to that. Um, again, you don't have to keep the coach. You could probably change there if you had to. Um, or be a total cap dump and just take this Pierre Oliver... Um, Joseph. Thomas. Joseph. Thomas. Joseph. Mary. Pierre, Thomas, Pierre yeah. Oliver Joseph, the former first round defenseman, and just gobble up the 6.8 mil of cap space. But I guess they kind of did. Galchenyuk's a pending UFA. But people are spinning that as well, if Galchenyuk's not good, then they can just walk away. If he's not good, they're not going to be a fucking great team. <laughs> well, the thing on top of that, though, is that for all the flaws that Phil has, Galchenyuk's are exactly the same, and you get point, you get a half a point less per game out of Galchenyuk. He's 25. Usually players have peaked and flattened out in regards to what they are. Yeah, he is what he around is. About, yeah, correct. It's not like all of a sudden he's going to turn into something he hasn't been. Um, you try to replace, you know what, if they traded Phil and Jack Johnson with the two players coming back, that would have been a proper salary dump and it would have been getting rid of a, a possession crater off the roster. Two, I would two have been maybe. Happy with... <laughs> yeah, true actually. I mean, <laughs> Phil's defense is not, not good, objectively really bad Absolutely. Re- recently. Not as bad yep. as uh, people used to say, but those people that were wrong back then are now right now. But yeah. the timing kind of needs to be better when you analyze things. <laughs> the thing that's that's frustrating about it is they keep saying, oh, the cap space we've saved will allow us to be a player in free eight. No, it won't. They only save 1.9 on the deal. Like, it just, yeah, they need to get rid of one more contract and then they might be able to do something that makes this deal better. Yes, so this is the crux of the deal. Galchenyuk has to push towards 30 goals, something Kessel didn't even do. And Kessel's better. Um, Galchenyuk has hit 30 goals once, but is that an aberration? Feels a little Jordan Stoll-like. You know what I mean? You know, Stoll has all these wonderful qualities about him. He got 29 in his rookie year and then never got close again after that. So, 
yeah, at 25, you start to think that Galchenyuk's 30 might have been an ab as opposed to the norm. Now, Galchenyuk's had to go through um, some things in his career that were not conducive. His deployment in Montreal was always pitiful. They they screwed around with him for quite a while and then eventually traded him. And then injuries have also been um, holding them back a little bit. I'm not saying he can't have a good season with the Penguins, but you see that market out there. He has a good season. Oh, what do you know? He scores 30. He wants 6.8 million. <laughs> <laughs> so now the Penguins are going to have to choose whether to just let him walk or overpay, which is neither is really ideal. No, I saw somebody say that they will, they go, oh, just flip him for Zucker. I'm like, that's not going to happen. I think they, I think they like his pending UFA because if they, if it's another total fuck up, they can just pretend like it was part of the plan and walk. How's that for a trade? You trade away a point per game player for a guy that's on an expiring contract on the off chance that it doesn't work, like asset management at its finest. Like, I don't want to give Phil a total free pass on everything. Nope. Because I've had players that are annoying, but, like, as a coach, you got to get over your ego and try and make it work. you got to know who your best players are and try to maximize what they can do. It's not like you got to hang out. These guys, Mike Sullivan and Phil, were not hanging out. Well, of course not, because Phil was gambling all the time, remember? (laughs) You know what? The best part about all this is, is like, yeah, Phil and his gambling, and it brings up memories of the hack job they did on Simone Dupre. He was gone from the casino on his off day by dinner time. Like, (laughs) who gives a shit? Yep. Anything he was actually like him. gambling's a slippery slope, and it can be an addiction and all that stuff. He seemed pretty responsible as far as yeah, it's one of the things I love doing. I love physically being at the table and doing it. But he was home home by dinner, and it's no different than somebody playing Fortnite or anything else and being responsible about the time they use. It's only a problem when it starts detracting your work. And 82 points is, like, pretty good, so... <laughs> <laughs> What's your problem, people? Among the best, his best two years of his career, so I don't... Um, I'm not going to buy the fact it was negatively impacting his play. And, and that's bucking the aging curve trend as well. That's the other thing about how well he's gone there. So even if he was doing things that you thought were deplorable... It quite clearly wasn't affecting what he was doing on the ice. And it did appear as though the players loved having him around off the ice as well when he was. Like, it seems like there are legitimate friendships there and amongst those players that are still left from those cup teams. And it can't really have been that much of a cancer in the room. It really does feel like management and coaching staff did not want him around. And they weren't afraid to try and... Put it all under him. 
And I do like Phil's little quote saying, I don't know what Rutherford's on about. That's not how it happened. But you know, Jim, Jim will say what Jim needs to say. And just left it at that. And you're like, good work, Phil. Yeah. Jim Rutherford is only in this for how he looks. Yep. He plays it off as the folksy, warm... That's for the media. That's for him to play the media like fiddles, and he's done that. At the end of the day, he only cares about how things come off for him. That's why he gets ahead of all these things. That's why he he gets to put his little gambling stories in hit pieces or, or has people, quote-unquote, sources do those things. It's so he can get the upper edge and look like, see, I had to. Um, he's... He's just an old. He's old school, and and I, and I don't mean that in a complimentary way. Yeah, it's the bad version of the old school stuff, and you know I will not be unhappy when he's no longer the general manager. But the issue we have at the moment is he is, and this Malcolm Crosby window is getting shorter by the minute, <laughs> and it, it's not because of those two players. That's the problem. It's what's going on around them. You know, I wouldn't surprise me at all if they cleared space by shipping Let's Hang somewhere. Well, his name was... I think also um, through The Athletic, I believe I read that the Malk and Letang trades are coming from the big guy as far as saying okay. Jim Rutherford does not have autonomy to make those moves. Ah, so the big guy said, do not do so. From what I gathered, um, and I can't remember which athletic article, but um, yeah, pretty much it implied, it probably probably was the Josh Yoey article, and it implied, yeah, the Malkin Latang stuff uh, has to be okayed. Good. <laughs> Mario knows what it's like not to play with Paul Coffee. Disgust is so stupid. Ridiculous. Yep. But yeah, the Rob Rossi piece was wild. He's good for that stuff. Right? Mm hmm. Uh, it's funny. I think Rossi's, Rossi's done a, a good job since he's got off the beat. Because he's not poking the bear every time he's at the press, at the presses after the games, so he's got a chance to cool down a little bit and look at things from a a hundred foot view rather than two feet away from it all happening. And it's um, improved his writing because his sources are all still there. Yeah, it was a real thorough kind of attack, though. At times, the problem with I don't know, is, it's so, who are the sources? I know you got to keep some of it, but, like, it's not even, like, team source. It could be anything with yeah. some of it. Can't, it's the only way that we get this kind of stuff is by not putting names to things, and that's the thing that's frustrating with it. It's just it's the reality of political reporting as well. It's the same thing. Source closest to the White House says that Donald Trump flipped out today. It's like, really? Like, I know it's Tuesday, but 
you, you sit there with it and it's like everywhere in journalism where they require to keep an anonymity of the person giving the information so they don't get into trouble always makes you wonder whether they're actually going to a source or whether they're making it up. Oh, you know what? I got to give Rob credit. Tra- Trading Kessel was identified by Rutherford as the linchpin to his offseason. Plan B included soliciting offers for defenseman Chris Letang, and Rutherford heard at least a couple. Still, ownership feels about Letang as it does Malkin and does not want Rutherford to trade either player this or any offseason, the sources said. Ownership has not prohibited Rutherford from listening, but it would be ownership, Lemieux and Burkle, signing off on any deal involving Malkin and or Letang, not Rutherford, the sources said. It's pretty specific. <laughs> Very specific. Hey, we, we don't really trust you to do this because you really fuck up that mid-tier stuff quite a bit lately. And we're still trying to make money, and you're going to piss a lot of people off moving those guys out. Just look at the mess he left Carolina in when he left there. I mean, they're finally that's, getting that's, out of it. That is what you're going to see in Pittsburgh. So, the Hall of Fame thing happened after the last recording, right? What, him getting into the Hall of Fame? Yeah. So, like, I'm not really surprised. I'm not upset by it. He's got three cups, two in, in with two different teams, and there's only one other guy, and he was from like the 19 teens. <laughs> and he, so, like, yeah, okay, I get it. Um, but it really does gloss over. The fact that in Carolina, in his 19 years of Hartford, Carolina, he missed the playoffs 14 out of 19 seasons in the NHL. Like, Major League Baseball, okay, yeah, it's hard. He had to be the division winner all that time in this. Fucking eight teams, half the fucking, more than half the fucking conference makes the playoffs every year. Um. Back it then, feels like it's, there were it even feels less like teams. Particip- feels like it's a participation award for it. He's been around for so long, he just deserves it for his longevity. So, like, everybody, you know, all the articles are all positive, and And it's like, you know, I'm not so sure he was actually really that great. He, he caught lightning in a bottle in Carolina coming out of the lockout. He was fortunate the Sabres defensemen all, like, fell apart. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And Dwayne Rolison's knee blew up. He left that franchise in complete dog shit. And, and yes, there were some... The money with, with the salary cap, that was a hurdle he had to navigate, but he didn't do it well. He drafted, like, shit. Yeah, they, they just, just made the playoffs for the first time since the Penguins swept them during Crosby and Malkin's first Stanley Cup. Ten That's years. Nuts. He left a wake of destruction. But in Carolina, he didn't have the starting point that he got in Pittsburgh. And if you let this play out, you're going to get the same thing. You're already seeing it. The futures are 
you know, pretty blunt. Go on. <laughs> I mean, no offense to um, our new buddy Pierre Oliver Joseph, but um, even the draft picks that were just made, which I don't know what selecting a first-round pick is going to do for this team right now. Nobody really does. They're they're they don't skate well. <laughs> it's like what? So yeah, I'm just depressed that Phil's gone. <laughs> really? Yeah. So defensive issues were legit, and it it's a very tired thing that I've had to write about and talk about. Uh, but his most common line mate was Jack Johnson. And I'm not saying that's why he was bad defensively. I'm saying that's a, a lot of why Malkin and him struggled at even strength to produce offense. So if you throw Kelchenyuk with Malkin, and Jack Johnson's still the guy there, I don't know what you think you're getting. Well, they're getting a player that's got the exact same floor the Kessel already had. Like, that's the reality there. Do they just think he's going to be more coachable and they go, well, we can coach position. Whereas Kessel just flat out refused to play any defense in the end. I just, I don't, I'm frustrated well, with you got it. someone like Phil who, he's been the same exact player for, since he came in the league. Yeah. Like, figure it out. He's the same exact player. You knew what you were getting. There were ways to figure it out, and they chose not to. The biggest area of concern I have is the power play. Not that they don't have talent to make it work, because no. obviously Crosby, Malkin, Latang, are all, and, and Gen, even Gensel, if they start using him, really good. The, the problem is it's going to start shifting back towards like the Gonchar time period they were really predominantly a one half of the ice power play and I don't think that's going to work with Sid and Gino approaching their mid-30s like it did in their 20s I, I think they could make it work better than I think what you and I are expecting if they force Sid onto the goal line next to the goal and tell him he can't walk up onto the half wall. Gino has to be at the half wall and, and just say, I'm sorry, Sid, but that's where you have to be because that's where he does most of his best work. I think they're going to double down and go the other way. What, have them both out on the half wall and have Malkin around high? Yes, and Fuck. really try to work it from there. And But as, as penalty killers, though, you can really close that off. Yeah, yeah, especially when there's no threat on the other side, like Phil. Even with with Gensel out there, yeah. Here's the deal. We watched Crosby and Malkin run a power play for so long, and and they certainly still got a lot of touches the last few years. Phil ran the power play. Yeah, it was him. It was was off of that left side, and he was excellent at reading his two-on-ones. He would receive the pass on the half wall and skate shimmy down near the goal line and pull those guys so he could get it back up to Latang and to the other side. 
um, or he would pop up high and curl. He did so many great things on the power play, and let's not even, I haven't even mentioned the breakout. I was going to say. Which some people don't like. I loved it because the Penguins had the personnel to do it, and I think it was way more successful than the, the classic breakouts from when we all grew up. Um, the the drop pass to him was great because he would draw that attention in the middle and they would just kick it out wide to Sid or Gino and they would do their thing on the entry and that was that. Well, that's gone. I think they could still maybe do it, but they had four guys that could carry the mail. So no matter how, when it gets iced, they always had some kind of combination to where they could just do it. Because that's something that Gensel's not done. Like, I'm making the mental assumption that he'll be the replacement. He not doesn't. That. He doesn't lug the puck, no. So I, I do think the, um, the power play is concerning because they don't really have a right shot there. People, um, I saw... Somebody threw out Bukestad's name, and it's like, nah, man, he ain't that type of player. No, no, he's not. Not a bad player, but, geez, not. He's not that. And it sure as shit ain't going to be Patrick Hornquist. <laughs> He'll get the first crack at it. Could you imagine that's... if he was, all right, Patrick, we had to get rid of Phil. I know you <laughs> liked him, but we had to get rid of him. And um, you're going to be the guy after that. Latang skates it up. You're 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 gonna you're gonna maneuver through the neutral zone. How many breakaways or icings do you think would happen? Yeah, no, it would be terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. So that's <laughs> I um I here's the other part. Uh, putting the legit analysis of it aside is I liked watching Phil play. Yeah, so did I. He's great fun. Um, I like watching the guys that can do things that um, are hard, hard to do, things that, you know, I can't see at the local rink kind of deal. His shot, his, his passing was excellent. Um, a lot of good stuff on the power play, as we just mentioned. And um, it's always disappointing because it, at the end of the day, it is an entertainment product. I know we make a, a big deal out of the winning and losing of the hockey, but um, Penguins have been winning for a long time, but they've always had the star power that made it a little bit more fun, even if it wasn't always a Stanley Cup. 82 games is a long fucking year. you got to hang your hat on something. <laughs> Correct. And fortunately, they still got... Legit guys, and and I'm not saying they're going to be a boring team, but come on, Phil Phil saved the Crosby Malkin era. Oh, absolutely, he did. Without him, they probably get to this point in their career, and it's they underachieved. And and that was, and that is Rutherford's greatest gift to the Penguins was he did have some other good moves out of the gate. Um. Getting, but this, they were a little bit more obvious. Uh, getting rid of Sutter and 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 stuff like that, it wasn't. I don't think was too difficult. And Skidari, gee, these guys are really bad. I should probably move them. And you know, <laughs> uh, go. Lo and behold, 
um, Vancouver helped with that. <laughs> um, I don't... So, you... Yeah, I mean, you get there and you talk about the Scuderia and the Suda situation. And it's like, well, he's just lobbed himself back into the same spot. So he needs somebody else to bail him out. And I just, I don't see that happening. Because one of those two contracts of Johnson and Goodbranson have to go to make this trading Phil Kessel away worth it. Yeah, so the trade's incomplete right now. Galchenyuk, okay. Put him with Malkin, put him with Sid, see what happens, whatever. Um, it's the cap space that needs to be effectively used in his weakness. The last few years has been cap space. Using it up for shit players. I don't mind it when teams fall out of their window just because players get old. And therefore they get bad. And you have to trade away players because you have to you go all right it's time to, to refresh and rebuild and do all that this is not that this is watching somebody hack their own arm off right now they have a chance to put on a prosthetic arm and still keep going but i'm not sure whether it's going to work this whole off season the problem has been finding cap space and this entire off season like it's obvious what the issue is and it's paying seven mil for bottom pairing or or worse <laughs> defensemen well bottom pairing or replacement level and this is what we've got and and like easily avoidable like the johnson signing that's a unrestricted situation that's like completely Ridiculous, and then to turn Carl Haglund's expiring contract, which by the way you trade him, and then you you um, retained money in the in the deal, and then you try and trade back for him that same year after the Kings were going to move him again, but like the rules say you can't because you retained salary. salary. What yeah. kind of fucking direction are we? do we have here so then you're like okay we got tanner pearson this isn't working and that's fine even at that point but to turn pending ufa carl Haglin into three more years of a four million dollar bottom pairing defenseman who fortunately didn't drown right away because that's what he does in the other 500 ish games he's played um, it's still bad value. He doesn't do the things that are going to help the forwards do what they do. It just feels like he's trying to put square pegs in round holes. And Good Branson, whilst you're right, didn't drown, doesn't provide the speed and the skill and the outlet passes that this team needs to fly. And this team's best players rely on speed. And... Slowly but surely, it's like Rutherford's picking off all the speed and skill just to make it harder on those aging veterans that are still very, very good, but are not their 25-year-old peak. I mean, a good example of of knowing a bad contract and, and trying to get out of it is, 
is is what Toronto is doing right now. Um, and I'm not I'm not personally surprised by it. Dubas gets dealt a bad hand with the Marlowe contract because Lou is um, Lord and and Babcock wanted him. They used a first round pick to get six mil off the books. Shit. Okay, yeah, not ideal, but we're not really a prospect building team right now. We we are go go go. Um, and today they, you know, it was announced yesterday, but Toronto gets um, Cody Cece, a third rounder, Ben Harper, and some other guy, Aaron Luchuk. Ottawa gets Zaitsev, Connor Brown, and Michael Carson. Or the point being, they're out of that Zaitsev contract. CC's up for arbitration. I think the Leafs are going to take CC to arbitration and walk away from him. Probably. That and would guess be... what? They just got rid of a shit contract for nothing. They identified Zaitsev as a $4.5 million waste, which he was. That contract sucked the day it was signed. Pittsburgh's not willing to be creative with these things. In fact, I think I read in an article that Jim Rutherford doesn't believe in offer sheets. Well, the good news for him is the Penguins don't have their second-round pick because they traded it away for Mark to give away Mark Andre Fleury, and that takes away some of the um, situations they could use one. Yeah, but um, yeah. He's just he he makes a lot of trades. That doesn't make him clever in the sense that there are loopholes in this CBA and I don't think the Penguins are willing or want to use any of them. No, because like you said, he's old school. He'll do it his way. <clears throat> he's not bent at all to the way the game has changed. Well, he did in 2015-16, and then he just said, fuck off to all that. And I just, I, I, I don't like saying this because it's unfair on, on both gentlemen, but it really feels like once Botterill left, they changed direction. And you look at what Botterill's trying to do in Buffalo, and he's been far from perfect with some decisions that have been made and quite clearly the owners had a hand in some decisions that were made on him as well. Yeah, the O'Reilly trade's an embarrassing check mark for him even if yeah. even if like Pagula, which I'm very confident fucked up that whole signing bonus and um what they got back for it that couldn't have played out any more embarrassingly. No. So um, so he's he is far from perfect, but it, the Legitimately feels like once he left the whatever the direction was that they wanted to move forward with, it all became Rutherford's team, and they've moved away from being fast, they've been away from moved away from being skilled, and they're all about pushback and all that garbage that we got sick of hearing about at the end of the Bilesman era. And and you do sit there and go. It must be frustrating if you are Crosby and Melkin because it feels like they have kept their mouth shut and haven't been very demanding publicly or anything like that. And just to watch it all sort of go to shit. 
Oh, and you know what? The other stuff from, from Rossi's article that really pissed me off is the how Mike Sullivan put Malkin between him and Phil. Step yeah. the fuck up and communicate. That's your yep. only goddamn job as a coach in 2019 is to deploy the players in positions that best get the most out of them and to talk with these fucking players because that's how coaching works in 2019. It's not do what I say because I said so. you got to give some reasons. These players are smarter now. They want to know the whys of what they're doing. They've been taught the whys of how they should do things now. Things have evolved. And to put Malkin in that shit spot, that that's fucked up. Well, considering that he's, you know, a franchise player all on his own in any other franchise, and you've been fortunate enough to being able to play him behind the, behind the kid, it's just, it's either complete arrogance or it's completely spineless. No, or, Mike, or Mike Sullivan needs to step the fuck up is what he needs to do. Because that's bullshit coaching. Well, it's on him. Wait, you were uncomfortable. So what? You gotta it's have on him now. You like, gotta have your your player do your dirty work for you. But it's on him now. The player's gone. If this team stumbles at the start, we've already seen the prep work put in to have his ass tossed to the side. I just don't understand why you wouldn't just do it. Yeah, you bring Anyways. it. If you're gonna bring that guy in, in preparation to get rid of the coach. Just fire the coach, keep Phil, and bring the new guy in. Just do it. Coaches go in and out all the time. Scotty Bowman coached a million teams. They won a million cups doing it. Um, you know, Quinville has moved around. He's considered very good. These Ken Hitchcock considered, you know, for we don't care for his style, but, like, you know. He's but racked up the wins around. in a couple of cups, yeah. Uh, Mike Sullivan certainly not better than any of them. I'm not saying he's worse than some of them. Probably, many, wor- probably worse said, than Scotty Bowman. But has Babcock won two cups? No. Right, so theoretically then Sullivan's a better coach than Babcock if you get my stupidity of what I'm saying here. Like, well, quite frankly, we all know my opinion of Mike Babcock. No, I, we we we're rowing that boat up the up the same river. That's absolutely fine. But yeah, I just this team will do well with whoever comes in next if this team is built as it is. It won't win a Stanley Cup the way it's currently built, but I think. Any AHL coach could come into this team and coach it, and it would do okay. Yeah, the roster's strong enough to where okay should be a floor. Yeah, and if they bottom out at the start of the year, I really do hope they end up with a new coach. Because... Well, and that goes to Mike Sullivan, how poorly... Yeah, he doesn't get to choose his roster, but he sure as shit deployed Johnson with some of his best players not named Sidney Crosby and tanked him. Like, he did that. Clearly didn't care. He was able to scratch him in game one of the playoffs, the Penguins' best game of the playoffs. And if it wasn't, and for, then back. If it wasn't for a ridiculously good play in overtime, he may not have seen the ice again in the playoffs, but went straight back. Uh, this is crazy. 
Have you got anything else to add? Because really, I should probably look at going to bed. Okay. Um, no, I just think Phil was um, one of Jim Rutherford's crowning achievements in Pittsburgh. It led to, um, obviously, the championships, but like a lot of stuff that has uh, happened the last two two years, you know, we're... We're two years into that 2017 Ryan Reeves and everything since then. Uh, Jim Rutherford un- undid one of his best things. And the cap space he's had to use in recent memory, hasn't he hasn't done a good job with. And a lot of this trade hinges on what he does with that space. So um, I think you could get creative and maybe try to get a Nikita Gusev from Vegas in a trade. He's a he's he needs a contract, but he's an RFA. I think you could I I think he would sign for about 4 mil. His KHL stats are actually more impressive than Panarin's were before he came. He's 26 years old, but I don't think I think we're going to get closer to a Michael Ferlin type of thing than yeah, anything else. Yeah, that's terrifying. So, um, tough, tough for f- a lot of fans. Um, as of right this moment, as of recording this podcast, the Penguins are a worse team than they were before they traded him. We'll have to see what happens here. Rutherford's going to have to make some other moves. It can't just be, okay, we use the cap space to give Marcus Pedersen about two mil. Let's get Zach Aston Reese. Teddy Bluger and Matt Cullen. I cannot believe <laughs> that is still a thing. Yep. They're waiting on his retirement choice. There's no waiting. You're done here. He was awesome his first tenure. Perfect depth guy. I wrote about him being a good target before for anybody before they even signed him. But sit the Minnesota year, the the last season in Pittsburgh, he can't play anymore. And that's age. Like that's the thing. Like, so if you, if he can't play, and you want to do the intangible thing, then where the hell were those intangibles in the locker room <laughs> for a locker room that was clearly a big problem? Yeah, there's a lot of double talk. Yeah, they just make this shit up as they go. So. Well, we will see. Gelchenyuk um, being the major piece of that trade. I happen to think he'll start on the left side with Malkin. Could you imagine if they <laughs> went Galchenyuk, Crosby, Gensel, and just kind of still gave Malkin the leftovers? They're just asking for him to ask for trade then. <laughs> Piss him off. So... All right, that'll do it. We will have free agency stuff. There's certainly a lot to talk about. The Florida Panthers are going to do some really funny things, like give goalies $10 million that are already 32 years old or so, and max term, <laughs> yeah. after drafting a goalie 13th overall. There's that first-round draft pick on a goalie. So, But all the Panarin stuff, obviously the Leafs are already making trades. Uh, Spets is joining the Leafs, I guess. Bloody hell. <laughs> um, so, 
um, in the next few days. We're, we're, we're going to let the first two days, I think, of free agency. Or no, are we recording? Is it tomorrow? Day after. Okay, so we'll we'll be here in a day, um, and you'll get all our thoughts on uh, what should be quite a bit of action. So, uh, thank you. See you next time. Bye.